Awake in the Dream Radio with Laura Eisenhower and Dr. Dream. Raising your frequency and expanding your consciousness one guest at a time. Good evening, everyone. It is Tuesday, July 30th, 2013, and you found yourself at Awake in the Dream Radio. I am Dr. Dream, and our most incredible co-host is... Laura Magdalene Eisenhower. Welcome to the show, everybody. Hi, Laura. How are you, Dr. Dream? I'm doing excellent. How are you? I'm great. What's been up? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So much. I mean... Big stuff has been happening. It has. I mean, we had a great weekend. Um, we did. I, I, I did the uh, online conference, uh, Sacred Sexuality, which was an interesting one. Talk to us about that. Well, I mean, I, I really uh, made it very galactic and very much a global thing about just our planet's history and why Sacred Union is so important and why it's probably way more important than people really realize. Um, yeah, and so I just talked about alchemy, and I talked about just the inner union, and um, the archive is available. I'm going to start to post it on Facebook for anybody who missed it. But uh, yeah, I really, I really liked how it all went. I feel like I, I fit everything into the time slot without feeling like I was trying to jam it all in, which happens sometimes. And you heard it. What did you think? I thought it was excellent. I really, really loved it. I, I um, you were, you know, one of three presenters, and. Um, Okay, so I'm a little bit partial, a little bit. <laughs> um, just this side of being biased, you were amazing, incredible. I loved what you had to say. Um, and I just love the energetic that you bring to everything that you do. Um, and I love that you spoke for over an hour about sacred sexuality and didn't need to mention organ parts or anything like that. I mean, you really take it to the highest level of what all of this is about. Yeah, that's just kind of my style. I don't really need to get into just the things that I feel, uh, you know, are are really just between a couple and just not necessary. But I I appreciate those that do. It's just not really my thing. Um, Yeah, so thank you so much. How was your weekend? I know um, we did that, and then uh, we had some fun times with the kids. Got to rest a lot. Um, Enjoy, like, the harmonic convergence that happened Thursday and Friday, and... Yeah, I'm saying these the the energies have been just outlandish. Um, <laughs> outlandish. <laughs> um, and then we had the um, the star tetrahedron yesterday. I mean, you know, it's just like okay, so this is just going to be nonstop for a while, right? Well, I mean, I just think it's amazing because we do the astrology every week. We talk about it on the show, and um, you know, we're just posting stuff and. Sometimes you say, gosh, you know, is there any break? Is there any week that's going to be just like awesome and mellow? And I'm like, well, you know, pretty much sooner or later, that's got to happen. And um, and it has. I mean, I think this is really the two weeks of just unbelievable energies. And, you know, the Star of David, that was yesterday. That lasted for about 12 hours. Um, and, and it's just an interesting configuration. I don't know if we want to get into it right now but or the whole week, but, uh, yeah, 
just like amazing from last week to this week. And that energy is going to carry through for the whole year and beyond. Um, so that's awesome. So let's talk about it a little bit. Let's let's talk about what happened yesterday and, and then leading us into the week. Okay, great. So, well, the Star of David, um, which is also called the Seal of Solomon, and um, the Satkana Yantra in um, India, and it represents a complete balance of the divine masculine and feminine energies. Um, it also enlightens us to the potentials and challenges that we are up against personally and globally in the sense that um, the Star of David uh, planetary makeup is filled with oppositions and two T-squares, six sextiles, and then this grand trine, two grand water trines, or excuse me, a grand water trine and a grand earth trine. So when you think about that, it's definitely filled with its challenges, but it's completely and totally harmonious at the same time. So it gives us the benefit of being able to locate all the stuff that needs to be transformed while also being supported with these harmonious aspects to really be able to take it to the next level. Um, so if one is not internally balanced, you know, with their masculine and feminine energies, a lot of drama can erupt, a lot of um, unconscious energy can start to work its way into the consciousness of that individual. And it can be a little bit rocky and difficult, particularly with an opposition between Mars and Pluto. That's going to be playing out for the rest of the week, too. Um, that pressure cooker, that sort of inner rage can easily burst the harmonious aspects. Well, that was yesterday. Uh, for the rest of the week, we're going to find, um, you know, a little bit of a challenge here and there as these energies uh, dissipate. And I think Mars and Pluto are the one to look out for. And also a tr uh, square aspect between Mars and Uranus tomorrow, which um, can lead to a lot of shock. And that's not always fun to be shocked, especially after so many positive alignments. So uh, I just um, really encourage people to take it easy. Uh, Mars and Jupiter are in alignment in the stressful opposition to Pluto, like I said, for the rest of the week, too. So if there's misunderstandings, if they're not handled appropriately, a lot of rage can be expressed. So yesterday was a day to really just fill up and sort of like observe and, 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 and see what it's all about and then go in and do the inner work. But the rest of the week is sort of like how we handle um, just it not being in such tight uh, just uh, aspects to each other in the harmonious and challenging ways. The challenges are going to kind of remain until we sort them out um, a little bit. I guess you could say that those are the ones that we're going to be hit with first. But Tuesday, which is today, Pluto and Venus are in positive aspect to each other. So I definitely would soak in today because the rest of the week looks a little bit challenging. I feel like a weatherman, like I'm standing and looking at a screen like, tomorrow the clouds are coming in. Today is a relatively sunny day. Go out and get your sun because uh, tomorrow you're going to be indoors. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but, well, uh, it, it really helps to, to, to get this, and, and similar to the weather, it's good to know if I'm going to need a windbreaker or an umbrella or um, maybe just not to get out of bed on a particular day. Right. So real quick, <laughs> that's awesome. Wednesday being somewhat challenging with the square between Uranus and Mars, um, depending on where it falls in your chart. That's like ego energy, Mars, and then Uranus is all about shock and upheaval. So whatever the ego's been holding on to, maybe a belief that it might just kind of be uh, shocked into sort of a reality check to readjust. And then, of course, Thursday, it doesn't surprise me that um, it's going to be about emotional cleansing and healing uh, because Chiron has an aspect with Mars and so does Venus. Um, so there might be deep inner wounds to heal. Maybe stuff got brought up on Wednesday that needs um, some time to just 
get back into balance. Um, so uh, there might be a lot of need for release to just really come into balance because if we're being blasted like yesterday with such an amazing alignment, you know, all the stuff that doesn't serve that sacred union within of the divine masculine and feminine energies um, is going to need to be looked at. So it's, it's really beneficial, but it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. So remember that when you're in it, if things get a little bit difficult, that it's just about taking the trash out and composting because what one really wants to walk away with is that blueprint intact, which is within all of us that got nice and activated yesterday. Um, so anything that hasn't been resolved is going to come up. But uh, look at it from the perspective of healing and transformation rather than, oh, here we go again and all the pain and drama that can go along with it. So, you know, for couples and just for, you know, the relationship with the self, um, be very gentle and uh, be in the highest place one can be for communication and holding space. And then Sunday um, looks really good. The sun is uh, making a positive aspect to Uranus, which can allow one to feel really energized and just inspired and joyful. And so it just kind of like shows that the week looks like it ends really well. Um, but also the self-esteem might be affected, you know, maybe because of things that happened during the week or just because it's time to just boost it and look at it. Um, so pay attention this weekend to just really building confidence based on connecting to spirit and the divine flow of creation rather than things that are based on duality and things that are based on um, sort of superficial disappointments when in actual fact on the deepest of levels, you know, so much beautiful energy is flowing. So I'll leave it at that. The rest uh, for people, um, you can look at our... Uh, newsletter and that's been posted and um, for anybody who's subscribed it sh should be in your inbox nice so lots of good things happening but just like everything else in our lives stuff that needs to be dealt with needs to be dealt with and so um, just kind of more of that on the horizon this week huh yeah and it's good because um it really is allowing everything that hasn't been resolved to just come to the surface. But of course, it can create more problems if people choose to handle it on a low level. You know, it's kind of like when the argument becomes the argument, <laughs> like in, in the way that the discussion is moving along becomes like the bigger problem than the actual original issue. So um, that can happen, whether it's with your children, your parents, your partnership, or just the way you treat yourself. Um, it's just important to keep it on a high level for the best results or else it can just, you know, dig one into the trenches again based on choices that the individual has made, not so much, you know, being at the mercy of these forces because we're not at the mercy of them. We get to really make choices about how we handle them and how we choose to play them out. So as long as we keep it on the highest level, the, the easier it will be. Um, so that's just always important, but especially this week because we really want to enjoy what happened yesterday and carry it with us. Yeah, I mean, that's for sure. That's uh, started the week out big. We don't want to uh, get lost in our stuff as the week goes on. Right. Absolutely. Excellent. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on um, everything going on? How, how? I mean, we've just felt so energized by these alignments, which is great. Um, I think we've just really enjoyed the best of it. How, what's your perspective on just how things have been? Yeah, I've definitely been feeling that. I mean, it's been nice for me just to be here in Ventura and not moving around a little bit also. Um, and it's giving some time just to sort of get caught up with things and, and this and that. We were on quite a run, and, and it just changes how we do things energetically. You know, you just it, nothing stays the same between being on the road and not being on the road and, and this and that. So I'm just really... Um, 
taking advantage of this time um, to to get organized. And then also, you know, it's it's we're heading into August this week, and and the kids will be going back to school and this and that. And so, um, just really wanting to really leverage and make the most of this um, time before the kids go back. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And uh, where where are we um, in relation to uh, your daughter? It's going to be gone on the 4th, which is like not something I'm looking forward to, but I have to accept it. So... Actually, you just picked up three extra days. She's she's um, heading back on the seventh. Okay. So that's good news. Yay! <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, and so uh, interesting stuff just all around. Um, I think you know there's a lot of just global shifting happening, um, and I think uh, you know we're going to make huge strides this year. I just feel really good about um, just the amount of truth that's flowing out there and just how everything that's BS that gets reported in the news, people are all over it, um, you know, undoing the uh, the false flag, like, in immediacy to the point where it feels like they can't really get away with much more. What are your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I that, that seems to be the dynamic right now. I really like that. Um, you know, we're wanting to get uh, more information out, like the the Dane Wigington information from uh, geoengineeringwatch.org, and and just you know getting getting the really good, powerful information out there that um, also empowers people. You know, it just enables us to look at maybe what's going on and 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 you know take a a higher energetic um, way of reacting or acting to it, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, some... Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say some really amazing times we're in right now. These are some amazing times, and it is... Really a very special evening. Um, our guest is Clifford Mahoudi. Clifford is a Zuni elder and member of the New Mexico tribe's Kachina Society. And it's the Kachina Society that guards centuries of knowledge of contact between the Zunis with star beings. Uh, Mahoudi spent several successful years as a civil engineer, consistently advocating for the Zuni and all Pueblo nations, while dedicating decades of his life to his tribe's spiritual system. And um, Clifford shares with us that Native American elders have a lot of knowledge about star beings that they choose to keep to themselves, and he feels that now is the time for that knowledge to be shared with the public, uh, Laura and I have been uh, really honored to have met uh, Clifford um, a couple of times and, and spent some quality time with him. And so um, we're thrilled to have him on the show tonight. Clifford, are you with us? I am with you. Hello, Clifford. Wonderful to have you here with us today. I'm glad to be here with you folks. Yeah, we've, we've really enjoyed um, the time that we've spent with you um, at Star Knowledge conferences and it's just amazing to have you with us on the show. And I just want to just jump right in and uh, uh, have you tell us a little bit about your background and when you first started to get in touch with the knowledge that was passed down to you. 
Well, it's uh, it's been a lifelong pursuit. Uh, of course, uh, having been born into the Zuni uh, tribe, I have been exposed to both uh, a lot of uh, different uh, orders within my own tribe, primarily the uh, Kachina Society, which all uh, young men belong to, and, uh, and of course, uh, different orders that I belong to, the clan system, the uh, medicine society systems, and uh, a lot of uh, different organizations within the tribal uh, system where we have a contact with uh, not only with the religion aspects of it, but also with spirituality and other practices. Excellent. This is this is great, Clifford. Give give a give us an idea, a little more of an idea of of um, the role of the Kachina Society, and um, what it means to guard the knowledge of contact between the Zunis and and star beings, and and um, you know just kind of bring us into um, the the Zuni world and Zuni perspective on all of this. Okay, well, it's uh, if you. Uh really go into the Zuni system, there's no uh, direct reference to, say, like star beings or alien people or anything like that. We talk about spirits. We talk about a lot of connection with the the other dimensional uh, beings within our universe. And so there has never been anybody that has any written anything directly related to anything that has to do with star people. They touch on it, especially the, the archaeologists, anthropologists, and ethnologists. But uh, as, as far as the Kachina society is concerned, that is a uh, one order in the Pueblo, the Zuni Pueblo, and among other Pueblos, like the Hopi and other Pueblos around Albuquerque, that have a... Uh, a system of Kachina uh, orders which were passed down through many, many centuries. Now, the the connection that I made was just through rituals, the prayers, the chants, and the songs. And so I started uh, looking into this when I was quite young. Uh, I'm 69 years old right now, and so I started when I was about uh, 14 or 15. And, of course, you're given certain levels of knowledge. And as you grow up, you're, you're given uh, additional knowledge. And it's sort of like the uh, educational system of uh, the uh, rest of the world. You know, you only go into a certain, you only learn certain amounts through every step. But the Kachina Society has a direct relationship, according to my own research, that has a direct bearing on the ethereal beings, the spirit uh, gods. And uh, the only way that uh, is very uh, hard to connect or, or rather to look at it in the aspect is to look at the, the way things were put into place in the past, especially with the protocols, the reference to different... Uh, the star systems, constellations, different galaxies. So when I started uh, going to, as in the upper levels in the society, the Kachina society, I started analyzing the, the chants and the prayers, and 
and even my own uh, uh, contact with uh, the elders, which are no longer here, of course, they had a very difficult time trying to explain what will be considered an eighth, uh, an alien type uh, system or the technology. But it's right here in our village. It's, we've been practicing it for years, and we're still practicing it to this day. So the so the Kachina Society is a direct reference to beings that are not of the planet here per se. They, uh, we refer to to them as uh, ethereal beings, the uh, spirit gods that come and uh, present us with with uh, good weather, good crops, uh, good uh, wealth, and uh, good relationship. And we have been doing this, uh, the tribe, the Zuni tribe, and other pueblos have been doing this for centuries. I don't think that you can ever go and actually find a book written in the past about this direct connection. It's within recent times that when I started doing my research, that I said, well, there's got to be a connection with the star people because a lot of the Kachina uh, beings, uh, they're representative of things that are beings that used to come here to the planet. And they, of course, they go into a mask and the, the dress that represents those, those type of uh, beings that used to come here in their own form many, many centuries ago. So that that's the basic knowledge that I have uh, encountered or at least uh, analyzed. And, of course, the backup would be the songs and the prayers, the chants, and the references to different uh, galaxies or star systems that, that we have today. Uh, for example, the Big the Deeper, uh, the Orion's Belt, uh, the, the Pleiades. One thing about Pleiades is that, uh, you know, this, is, this ancient knowledge has been carried on for centuries. And so in our own Zuni uh, religious system, the Pleiades is referenced by the exact number of the stars in Pleiades, which happens to be seven. So I talked to some of the elders a way long time ago, and I said, what do they mean by the seven? He said, well, if you look in the white man's book, it said there's Pleiades and there's seven sisters or there's seven stars in that group they're on in that, in that constellation. And so, so my next question was, well, why did, well, well, they didn't know about these things until a telescope was invented not, not too long ago, maybe three or four centuries ago. He said, but, he said, but, we did not know that either until they told us where they came from. So the next question was, who were they? So they, uh, so so it becomes a very comprehensive approach to, in our own language and in, in our own style of interpretation. Of course, we didn't have the references like the constellations, like Pleiades or Orion's Belt. They just do it according to what they were told or whoever passes knowledge on to them way back uh, in history. So these are bits and pieces of uh, the things that I put together throughout, the, throughout my research. And as with uh, 
a lot of uh, information systems that are now out there, and it's very difficult to try to convince even my own tribal members that this is what they're referring to. So, but but it's there. So th this was going to be my follow-up um, with you, Clifford. Was how accepted is this? Um, the I guess subtle appearing somewhat subtle to some and others not so subtle references to star beings and this equating the the actual manifestation of the Kachina as star beings giving messages. Is that right? Yeah. Well, uh, <clears throat> the only way that you can look at it is from the side of of the rituals themselves, which we still practice today, as I mentioned. And also, uh, if you really went out there and say that, well, maybe this is what uh, it's referring to because it all falls into the same pattern, the same template as what it would be, like what we call the ancient aliens and, and the, uh, the star beings coming to the earth and doing these type of uh, uh, rituals and also to place the protocols. So it, it's, very, it's very difficult for people to understand it among my own tribal members. So they sort of look at it as like, you know, you what are you making this up or or maybe, you know, in a way maybe you're such religious in in trying to put something that isn't there but but so you really have to study it. You can really see the connection. The only problem is that our own people that have been born and raised in the in the Zuni reservation and live at home has never been anywhere, have not been exposed to other educational systems except the ones that they have been taught for centuries. So they're, they're, the connection is hard to make. They don't have an open mind about it. It's just sort of like, uh, you know, it, it, it falls in the same pattern as the established religion. He said, this is, this is what it is, and you don't question it, because if you question it, you know, you're going against what the, the orders are or what the rules are or what the whole system is about. So a lot of people do not question that. They, they, uh, they continue to perform those ceremonies, their chants, and the rituals, not even going uh, one step further and say, why are we doing this? And where did this come from? So, so in my own situation, I had to look for it because of my my background in analysis and and thorough research. And so that uh, so when I went and set up my theory on set up my theories on this, and I went and consulted with those people that would talk to me about that, and they would come back to me and say, "Well, yes, I I believe that that's what it's all about." So, um, so it's kind of hard to accept, uh, especially people like myself within my own tribe, to come out and uh, state some of the things that I have been talking about for the last 20, 30 years now. Right, so, right, uh, right. So can you discuss with us some of the messages um, from the star beings or some of the Zuni prophecies? Do what now? Can you share with us some of the messages that you've gotten from the star beings or what role they have played 
perhaps with um, prophecies and stuff like that? Well, there's there's uh, throughout uh, throughout history. It's not only the star beams. Well, through the star beams through several different things. Uh, I mean, different communication networks. Uh, one of them again. The Chinas are only one group of many. We're a uh, it's a matrix society, but they have been there have been other uh, systems in place that talk about the prophecies. They talk about uh, things that were already prophesized by the ancient ones many many centuries ago, and uh, we're only following what has already been planned and what has been uh, already prophesied. And it's very hard to uh, get away from that because uh, since already, it seems like it's already set in concrete type of thing. Mm-hmm. And But the other thing, too, that happens is that they promote the activity to accelerate. If you look at what is happening on in the world today about the people, about the about the, the the actual nature, about Mother Nature. These were the things that they talked about for centuries. They said, if you do not follow the rules set forth by these uh, star beings, if you want to call it that, they said that you will fall into a pattern of what has happened in the past. Now, the Zunis know that this is not, and Zunis and Hopi and other tribes know that this is, this is what we call the fourth world. There have been other third worlds that have already collapsed in the past, but they have already they survived, and uh, so they know about if if you don't follow it again, we'll we'll go through the same uh, calamity of uh, of what happened in the past. One of the things that they talk about is that the the next one the next one will be uh, the turning of the earth. And also that they will come when the, the sun will not shine anymore, and you half the world be light, half the world be dark. And also they talked about what happens with uh, with uh, overpopulation. Overpopulation will uh, get people to fight among each other, and at the same time there will be not enough production of food sources. So that would also be another uh, uh, approach to a, a famine status, as which are, which we are going through right now. If I had, well, I was uh, when I heard a lot of these stories way back in the 1950s, right after the Second World War, when they used to talk about that. How could it be when you know we, uh, this planet and our nation is in plentiful supply of everything? People are not fighting. We had just gotten through the last big war and everybody was in full employment. There was a lot of good things that were happening, but but this we're again hitting the same uh, uh, prophecy status that they predicted many years ago. The other thing, too, is that uh, the turning of the re- reverse of the polarity of the Earth that's happened in the past according to the ancient uh, sacred knowledge of the Zuni people. So there, there are many things. I mean, I can go on forever with a lot of these different predictions. 
the last one was the splitting of uh, families, of, of groups, of nations, and I believe that we're going through that phase right now. Look at what we're what ha- is happening in this country. The other thing too that they predicted about four years ago was the um, was the the separation of the family structures. Family not only meaning within your own immediate family, but family in terms of societies, in terms of nations, and uh, and also the world. And we're going through that route right now. There's some there's some things that have been uh, prophesied. Well, not prophesied, but they were given visions in many many times. The first one I remember talking to talk to me about it was my grandfather's and everybody that we have a what we call a Zuni heaven in Arizona. It's sort of like a combination of a stargate and a uh, vortex. And that's what we do a lot of our worship, worship to directly to the gods or the different dimension. One of the things that occurred uh, right before Second World War was that there was a war going on between the ducks and the mud hens. And in those days, there used to be water in the desert where, where Arizona Heaven is. It's located in northern Arizona around St. John's and Concho, Arizona. And the other one, too, that I'm very familiar with is that we knew about 9-11 three months almost to the day that, uh, well, actually two and a half months of 9-11. They saw a vision of that when they went to this. They have a pilgrimage every four years. So when they go there, they're given visions of of what is going to be happening in the future. This is where the Kachinas live in Arizona heaven. And the other one, uh, too, was the, um, the, the, the latest one also was that where they were given the premonition of the half the world in darkness and half the world in light. So there's a lot of things that uh, occur, but you never hear about these things because a lot of this does not go out to the general public. Mm. Right. In the past, in the past, uh, for example, the Hopi, way back in the 1940s, tried to get to the United Nations that they were they were not even allowed to talk to anybody about the atomic bomb and uh, what what it will cause, and also about the internet. At that time, we didn't know what the internet was, but what they knew about those things. So there's a lot of tribes that know about these things, but. This country, the the administration, that the politic, politic, politic body of this country does not have the respect to even listen to some of those people that were here originally, to even you know to let them explain to them what their feelings are or what their prophecies are. So this is going on, going all the time, and a lot of the different Indian indigenous tribes throughout the not only North America but down in South America, Mexico and so on, they have these things but I mean these uh, prophecies but because nobody has the respect to even sit down with them, they don't even talk about it anymore. Or at least up to this point. I believe I'm the first person from a um, indigenous group that has been talking about these things. But there's also a uh, there's also a liability on those things. You be, you you get ostracized. 
you get to be, you say that, well, you know, you're you're talking to other people you're not supposed to be talking to about our sacred knowledge. I said, that's nothing sacred about it. It's, it's something that is ongoing. So there's a lot of mixed emotions and feelings among our own, our own people about trying to get some of these messages out. Mm. But starting this year, I think that there's a lot of truth that will be coming out and uh, we, we, the Indians knew about this, I would say, about even 60 years ago. At some point in time that you can only go so far in hiding and lying to each other and the truth will finally come out, and I believe we're at that stage right now. Definitely. Yes. Now, now, Clifford, take us through from the, the, the Zuni perspective, the Zuni roots, the, the creation story, and, and bring us up to where we're at now to kind of give us a foundation of, of what the culture shares. Well, you know, the, again, going back to my reference, so this is the fourth world. When the last world ended, which is the third world, it, it ended up by a, by a lot of different catastrophes, including uh, uh, probably the, the the flood came after the last uh, uh, flipping of the axis, so to speak. And at that time, the, there's a lot of Indian tribes that went into the center of the earth or under underground. And the Hopi, the Zuni, uh, I think there was other tribes that are probably extinct now, but I think the Papagos and others that are in southern Arizona were, they found shelter within the Grand Canyon. And they stayed there for no one knows how long, but it's all in our rituals and in our prayer systems. So after the earth settled down, uh, the, the migration, or, or what I have been told or I've been taught, was that the a light force or a a light being or whatever whatever that energy was was the one that uh, opened up the uh, the earth so that the people can come out out to the to the top of the on top of the planet and it just so happens to be Grand Canyon. Now the geologists say that the Grand Canyon is millions and millions of years old. And so if you look at back on that what uh, it, it blows to the concept that mankind has only been around here for thousands of years rather than millions of years. So so there's a there's a lot of conflict in schedules, but as far as um, uh, the coming back out of the earth, there was a lot of migrations that had to be made, and of course there's a lot of different people that uh, were in inside the Grand Canyon, and of course when you're stuck like that for a long time, there's certain things that happen. First of all, the the life form becomes dysfunctional and uh, have different types of uh, uh, body uh, configurations or different type of distortions. So the the mythology talks about when the when they were brought out from the center of the earth, the uh, the emissaries of the light being had to go there and uh, restructure them to become functional human beings. And you can see this in a lot of petroglyphs throughout the Southwest. You can always see, uh, well, one of the stories is that 
they had uh, six digits on each, each hand, six digits on their feet. So you can see this on the petroglyphs, and they're quite uh, all over the place. And that's one of the things that they had to be uh, restructured so that they only had five fingers. The other thing, too, is that they had tails. So they had to cut off their tails. So so you look at it from the standpoint of biology, they're pretty more, more of an amphibian type, maybe even to uh, a serpentine type. Uh, individuals. So, but the the light source that uh, came down, and it, and the mythologists say that he was the this, uh, father's son that uh, brought them out. But if you really go into detail, uh, a lot of this stuff, as you get higher in the different orders, there's other stories that go with it, which are like higher order sacred knowledge, which they talk about. You know, when you're a kid, you're only told what the mythology is. But as you get higher, that you actually know, you get to learn other information systems that are more comprehensive and more more um, rigid or or more profound than what you're taught as a kid. But that's just the way the Indian system is. So when when they came out here to the, on the surface of the planet, they had to have they had to have a a uh, sort of like directions on which how they're supposed to to go, and so this is where the migration routes come into play. The Hopis have a very good uh, information on their their books called the Book of the Hopi by Frank Waters. In the Zuni, the the ethnologists and the anthropologists wrote a lot about this in the late 1800s, and so all these. All these are stories are pretty well in mythology form, because that's what that's what they only want to, wanted the white man to hear, mm. because they they cannot go into detail about uh, what the orders were really all about. Because by the time that the in the 1800s the the Zuni and other Indian tribes had already been been uh, messed up by the, the Spaniards since the 1500s. So they, a lot of that information became like reserved or sort of sacred, uh, not to be spoken to anybody. So in, in so doing, we lost a lot of that because uh, we don't have a written language. It's only in prayers and chants and, and songs and rituals, mm-hmm. but it's still there. And uh, we still practice it to this day. If you go to Zuni and you ask about about a lot of this uh, basic information, most kids, uh, young people will tell you basically where they came from, why why they are there, and all that. Now, there's another another thing too that uh, there's there's an underworld and there's an upper world in all our rituals. We always refer to the um, the sky people or the sky priests. We call them priesthood. We don't call them aliens or extraterrestrials. We call them priesthood. And if, uh, in all our prayers in the Zuni system, they talk about the priesthood of the sky, which is uh, and they only uh, and they only appear instantaneously. So if you look at the parallel on this one. Every time you see a UFO, you only see it instantaneously, and it disappears. 
So they've known about this for centuries, and we call them the priesthood of the sky. And most Indian kids, uh, they are taught not to, to look up at the sky at nighttime. You go over there and you ask an Indian kid today in Zuni if it, you go over there and uh, you stand by that little kid and say, hey, look up in the sky at nighttime. You look up in the sky and they'll tell you, no, we're not supposed to look up there. And you ask them why, and they'll tell you, the, the little kids will tell you because of the gods will look down on you. Hmm. So they, we've always been taught like that. We There are so many different variations to the same theme, again, depending on the level of where you're at in the Zuni hierarchy, uh, whether you're in the Medicine Society, Kachina Society, but we all reference it to all the different gods throughout the different layers in the universe. And, and of course, uh, we go, we have some deities that are uh, from the the Milky Way galaxy. We have some deities that are from different constellations, like Orion and other star systems. Maybe Arcturus. We don't we don't have those names, and a lot of this information was lost because there was not direct reference to what the scientific uh, designations are to this date. But we mm-hmm. we still have that, and it will take a long time to interpret those things. Right, and a lot. Again, it's it's uh, a lot of information is being lost every day. Uh, in my lifetime, there's been about oh, about half of the medicine societies have gone extinct because that knowledge was not passed on to the the new generation, and we're still doing it to this day because the other thing too that uh, contributes to that is taking shortcuts. Shortcuts in not going through the whole ritual uh, prayer system, not going through the whole ritual uh, protocols. So when you start cutting cutting all the certain things, it gets lost. Right. So, so what we have done in, in in a lot of cases to this day is that even the old timers had to break down about oh 50 years ago. He said, "This is not good." In the old days, it was very, uh, people did not allow photographs to be taken. They did not have uh, uh, recordings to be made. But in many cases now, in order to carry out the, the functions for the uh, societies and other religious order system, they put them on, uh, on uh, recording devices, whether it be DVDs or reel-to-reel tapes. So that way... That's one way of uh, preserving what the remnants are of what we have in our system, which is a which is what I would have recommended even even that far back. Right. And so, but in, in order to, but again, some of these people are very stubborn. They're short-sighted, and that that saying about knowledge is power comes into play. A lot of these people are so immersed in their own little world that they don't want to pass this information on, so consequently it gets lost. But again, even though that they don't want to do that, you know, if it's if something is real and true, it can really never be lost. All you have to do is re re uh, 
regurgitate that information or re-record them and uh, put them back together again. Because the spirits have been real good in, in, in cases like that. When I talk about spirit, people laugh because they think that, you know, it's something that we make up. But, but this is a 24-7 type of thing within our own tribes, that we deal with spirit on a daily basis. And uh, if you, it's, it's sort of like a downloading activity type thing. You, there's a lot of uh, uh, computer terminology that I use for, for what has been going on in centuries. And so if, if, it's, if it's there, it's in memory somewhere. So Clifford, um, that being said about nothing's truly lost, um, are you feeling that there's, that there's no loss of, um, you know, the Zuni stories and, and valuable information from your culture also then? Oh, yes. Well, again, uh, the, the reason for a lot of uh, lost stories and information is because of what the education system of this country has put into play. Uh, rather than listen to the, to the of course, uh, there's not very many people that are uh, that get old because of their lifestyle, their food sources, and all that. So there's not very many storyteller type or uh, people that are of uh, knowledge and authority to talk about these things because it's just like anywhere else. Uh, the kids don't want to listen. They would rather play uh, video games or or go to uh, rock concerts, and it, it, it takes so much effort to go and learn about these type of things. And this is kind of sad because I I have encountered this almost on a daily basis, people not knowing what it's all about. I mean, it's, it seems like it's a carnival atmosphere when we do our rituals. You know, they say, oh, yeah, well, there's a Katrina dance going on there. They They look at it as like a... It's just a, a carnival, a ceremonial type thing that has no meaning or whatever because there's no interpretation of why we're doing these things mm. and, and where it came about because the foundation and the education of it is not there. And it takes too much while people are, are struggling to, uh, uh, on the economic scale, that that's low priority. Education in Zuni is very, very low priority, especially in the in the cultural, religious, and spiritual part. Mm. There's other the, on the other extreme is that the people that get into those um, those systems are more on an ego trip than what it is all about. Mm, right. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about what you've gone through because you've been doing this for decades. And really, you know, just has taken a huge stand in sharing this knowledge with the public. Can you tell us what you've gone through or just maybe some aspects of what you've gone through in, in taking this role? Well, the reason I took this role is because, first of all, was the, the information that was being given out by non-Indians, the ones that write the books or had informants that would not reveal their sources, and so a lot of it became very muddied. Uh, it was not clear. And what they did also was that they plagiarized each other's books, especially the official uh, systems of, of the 1800s, the Smithsonian uh, publications. And, and so and I saw this happening, 
when I was very young. And so what I did was that I started researching in the rare book libraries about what had trans transpired up to that point. I graduated from New Mexico State University, and they have a limited rare book library about Zuni and some of the, the things that a lot of people wrote about. But after I got out, even though I was a practicing uh, uh, professional engineer, I made it an effort to read about as many things as I can about my tribe and, and, the, and the systems, and also to get first-hand knowledge from those people that were still alive. My grandfather, Old Man Mahudi, was a historian of the Zuni tribe. Not only that, but he was also a blacksmith, a farmer, and other uh, he was also belonged to many different orders. So I got my first-hand information from him. And, my, of course, my dad taught me a lot about uh, some of the systems, especially on the history and also on the different orders. He was not a medicine man, but he, he was quite versed in many uh, areas of uh, information. So what I had done was to try to convey to the younger generation is that we can, you have to know at least the basics of these things. But in so doing, I, again, it became a, a, it was a slap in the face to me from the rest of the community mm. because they thought that I was, uh, when I talk on, say, like, for example, when I started working with ancient aliens, they assumed that I was giving out secret knowledge or knowledge that is only sacred to certain orders, which was not the case. Now, I have a military background, and I'm cleared for top security, and uh, and also I'm bonded by engineering professional ethics, and so so it falls in the same order as that. Why why would I go out there and and say things that is is uh, sacred or is within within the uh, the system of the Zuni government, I mean, the Zuni tribal spirituality, religion, and, and order system. So I have been I have been attacked by my own tribal members on this, but, you know, it's, it's throughout history, there has been people uh, that have been attacked for talking the truth or telling, telling uh, what it is, that it's how the world is. So it doesn't concern me that much because... Uh, all I'm doing it is for to convey this information on to the younger generation so they would have at least some idea of uh, where they came from and what they're all about. So I get a lot of flack from them. And the other thing, too, that I, I also run into a lot of these uh, writers that claim to be experts on the, on the different Pueblo systems and if you look at Hopi, everybody, everybody and his brother and sisters has written a book about the Hopi, and they're going to go to save them, and they're going to—they're the ones that are, who have been designated by, I don't know, different sources to go save the Hopi. You go to Hopi, you ask them, and say, "Well, we don't need to be saved. Why are they saying that?" So there's a—you know—it's a two-way street where I found myself into in opposing factions. So, but. Uh, after I retired, I, I made an effort to to save as much information to be passed on to the younger generation. Mm, that's awesome. So, Clifford, 
is there really any information anymore that needs to be kept secret? I mean, aren't we at a place now in the middle of 2013 and just these incredible planetary alignments and everything that's opening up and, and just how different everything is? I mean, isn't this the time for everything to sort of be put out on the table? Well, I don't. I don't think, as far as the Indian people are concerned, I don't think that they can take that route because there, again, there are certain uh, all all Indian tribes have their own rituals and their own ways. And the other thing too is that if you look at what has happened up to this point about a lot of these people that will take that knowledge, again, going back to my book writers, or go back to why why would they go out there and 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 spread it all out, they can do that among each other, especially the indigenous groups, or also within their own tribes. I don't, I don't see any problem with it. I think that we're going through that route. However, there's still a lot of influence of the Western world right now, especially at the times that we're going through right now, and especially in the hard economic times. A good example is the, is the Hopi Kachina dolls doll market, those were held very sacred for for a long time until probably right uh, during and after the Second World War when they had to use that to uh, maintain their their economic balance. And so it, it went out uh, it sort of like uh, it spread like wildfire. Everybody was making kachina dust, something that was held very sacred to all Pueblo people, not only the Hopis, but other people. And, uh, of course, the, the first thing that happened with that was the pottery making, which was okay, because it doesn't have any direct uh, impact on the cultural religious uh, uh, system and spiritual system. But even, even if we went out there and opened those gates, so to speak, about a lot of this information system, there will be people that will be opposing it again because of the the people that are in power within their own groups. And uh, we saw that. We saw that when the Spanish first came over here and they converted a lot of those Pueblo people into the Spanish, I mean, the Catholic religion. And, uh, and to this day, they still have a, a dual system, the Catholic and their own spirituality. So it runs in opposition to each other, but I don't understand why uh, why we need to do that because it's something that is very sacred. But I'm sure that uh, if it comes down to that point, it will not be the individual human beings that are going to do that. It will be probably something bigger than us, which would probably be the spirit, or or whenever that day comes, then it'll be all all. Uh, opened up, and I think that's what—that's what we're. I think that's where we're headed, because that's we have a lot of activity that's going on there. But I don't think the the individual Indian tribes and their members would be willing to put out anything like that, because again, going back to saying that knowledge is power, and that's how they have their own power systems and their own structures. It's sad, but that's what's happening. So what do you feel the most important messages there are to share about our future that, that would really benefit, um, you know, humans to know? 
Well, the the message that I convey is that we have to. There's two things that I uh, convey. First of all, is that fear. You have to get rid of fear because fear is the one that causes a lot of people that are uh, a lot of uh, psychological and physical hardship. The second thing is that the people have to go within themselves to be truthful about what they really want to do because we're not talking the truth. We're like the rest of the country. We're like the rest of the, the political organization systems and especially organized religion that we're not talking about the truth. We're, we're covering up so many things and because we are emulating, emulating what the rest of the world is doing. If the, because the, the Indians have become so dependent upon, say, like the federal government. You look at every Indian tribe, you know, they're, they screwed up the whole world by, by HUD housing programs, the welfare systems. Right now the biggest thing is food stamps. And, of course, the, the, the uh, drug situation, alcohol, drugs, casinos, those type of things. So if, if they go back there and you have to get a nucleus and a critical mass to start working with each other, and not only that, but also to interconnect with the other other Indian tribes, because there's a lot of people that have the same feelings that I have in a lot of different uh, groups and orders and tribes, but we're just we're just being hampered because of these outside influences. So you have to deal with first of all get rid of the fear and to be out in the open like what we're talking about about, hey, we, we have a system, we've had a system for centuries, why are we running away from what are we scared of? And the second thing is that we all have to be truthful with each other. And, of course, the fund, uh, fundamental thing is to, to get educated. Education is not, not going by no child left behind stuff. I mean, um, education is everything that you can get your hands on and and to talk among each other and, and learn the systems because we're going to need it real fast. Within the next one or two years, we're going to go into a very harsh situation where survival has to become uh, number one priority. And we're not going to deal with we're not going to deal with idealism. We're not going to deal with politics, and and the monetary system is going to go to hell. And so we have to look at all each other and to depend on each other, and, and you have to be get rid of that fear. I was talking about the education and the and the fear and the and the uh, truthfulness. Right. This is, right. This is what we're this is what we're going to be uh, stressing, especially in in our future meetings that we have when whenever we get a chance to uh, at least not only within our own Indian community, but to the rest of the world. And I think that it's time for exchange to take place. It's time for all of us to to get together and uh, interact with a lot of these uh, different systems for the benefit of everybody and the planet. We can't continue to go the, the, the route that we're going right now because we see it every day. Uh, you don't have to go very far anywhere. I don't care whether it's in a city or in the Indian reservation. It's happening right now everywhere. And so that's why that's why I I need to get some of these people to perhaps work along these these uh, methods with these methods and also to get a, a critical mass and a group to start uh, conveying this type of information to uh, others, especially 
other people that are uh, not indigenous uh, systems. Now, Clifford, tell us a little bit about what you're finding out there. I know you're you're doing a lot of deciphering of the the petroglyphs. Um, tell tell us about that, and what what are you finding? Well, the the petroglyphs is a record. It's just it's uh, it's a permanent record that the we're finding out that it has a lot of scientific background, has a lot of history, of course, the history being what they saw at that time, and also the uh, the atmospheric uh, phenomena that occurred at their ages, whether it was 10,000 years ago or 20,000 years ago. One of the things that is kind of hard to uh, uh, age is that when were these made, because each... Uh, anthropologists, archaeologists, or whatever, have their own have their own uh, time schedules. But if you look at other other places, not only on petroglyphs, but also the civilizations that have ceased to exist, like up in Chaco culture, the, the Mesa Verde, the um, the uh, what's that Canyon de Chay people, and you know these were in the same time uh, they were connected with the the more elaborate systems like the, the pyramids and the and the uh, the pyramids down in South America and Mexico. So there, there, it's a history there. The only thing that is kind of hard is that a lot of this has been destroyed. Uh, a lot of them throughout the ages, perhaps within the last 500 years, when people started, uh, they thought it was like um, uh, something that was not worth anything, so they started uh, breaking them up, or it's sort of like a graffiti nowadays. But there's still a lot of that that's pretty well intact that you can pretty well, you have to sit there and really understand what they were thinking. A lot of those were natural phenomenon and also of the history of what was here during that, during that time as, as far as animals are concerned. We've had We've had uh, petroglyphs of Bigfoot. We've had petroglyphs of dinosaurs. We've had uh, petroglyphs of different types of animals that are now extinct. But uh, and also the the natural phenomena, whether it be a supernova, whether it be a star system, or in many many places, there's also UFOs. The one that we filmed about two weeks ago in this one canyon. Is, a, is definitely a UFO, and there's others that I haven't had a chance to actually go back and find out where they were. I saw them about 30, 40 years ago. I haven't had a chance to go back because they were definitely UFOs. They were on there. So there's a there's a lot of history to it. And the other thing, too, is that there's a, a lot of uh, different peoples that came through there. Uh, I do not... I do not uh, agree with the that Columbus was here first or anything like that because in our own history we have we have a history of Oriental people of the white people way long before Columbus supposedly discovered America. So there's a lot of things that are also within those petroglyphs, and it's a record book. And uh, not only is it the history record book, but it's also phenomena and a lot of scientific stuff in there. There's a lot of 
uh, information that are scientifically translated within the last 10 years, especially by high-powered physicists like over Los Alamos, which talk about the and, and their electrical diagrams that look like a man, but uh, that's the only way that they can describe them. So there's a lot of information there, and, and we're, we're still going through a lot of research right now. And uh, it's unfortunate that a lot of these have already been destroyed throughout right. the ages. And so, but uh, whatever is remnants that are left, uh, the only thing that we can uh, do is that to make the best of it to for the interpretation based upon the the history of the individual tribes and also of uh, some of the rituals and the practices that we still do today. So, what is your take on the um, you know the way people are interpreting visitation from star beings? Um, what, what are your thoughts about there being you know a lot of negative beings that are interfering? Well, that's that's always been. Uh, it's also within our religious system, uh, in our ritual and our prayer system. Uh, and I've always uh, I've always stated many times that just based upon my teachings of my own uh, religious systems. There is also there is both the good and the bad in every organization. It doesn't make any difference whether it's here on the planet or whether it's out there in the universe. And those are the ones that we talk about. We we when we do our prayers almost on a daily basis, we talk to the gods and say that even though you are God, there are some bad entities that may direct you to the wrong way and please do not listen to them. Because we have always been taught that even though they're gods, even though they're high-power beings, and they all they also can get tri- tricked over, and there's a lot of tricksters in every, in every system, whether it be in the universe or whether it's right here on the earth. So we, we have those type of prayers that we talk, talk to them about, and we also warn them is that do not believe what they tell you to do to us and that's where that's where this um, this effort about keeping the keeping the earth in balance comes about whether it be good weather whether it be good crops whether it be uh, family structure people throughout the world and unfortunately they have uh, they have been listening to the bad aliens if you want to call them that Mm-hmm. throughout the centuries, and that's what has created wars. That's what's caused a lot of split-up of many, many organizations. And we talk about these things, but, and we always say that, well, there's nothing we can do because they're the gods, and we can't tell the gods. And, uh, you know, that, that to me is like a cop-out. Mm. Well, you know, if you believe in something, you, at least you can reinforce it because they're the ones that, depend on us over here in the three-dimensional plane to provide them the assist of where they are, again, even though they're high-order ethereal beings. So there's a there's an exchange that always goes back and forth. We help each other out, and if uh, nothing else, to uh, go through the protocols that were given centuries and centuries ago to, to uh, pro- do that protection, not only of the, the people, but also of the the planet with all the, the animals and the, the plant life. So and, and so they, we we go through those, and a lot of times it's very difficult now because again people are too 
too lazy in a way to uh, carry out some of the responsibilities that they're given charge to. If you're if you're put into an order, you're supposed to carry those responsible uh, systems and also the, the protocols to make sure that we have a balance with them and us over here on the planet. But we we do not we have uh, deviated from that. And it's because of the way that the, this nation has been set up. And so it's, and again, the other thing too is that, uh, we can't practice anymore to have that direct connect because they, they've locked up all the particular places and they call it national parks, national monuments, national, uh, uh, historical places. So there's no way that we can go out there. You can't even go and, and get eagle feathers without going through their whole system that the park service, I mean, the wildlife service has set up. We can't go over there and get the, uh, some of the uh, things we use for our technology without going over and asking for permission. I mean, this is this is what stopped us a lot of us from really participating fully. I am I am myself. I get. Every time that I have people come over here to do rituals at my house, within five minutes the police will be over there wanting to wanting to arrest me for for whatever reason. So, but that's a that's a thing that was set up by the the federal government, especially now with uh, Homeland Security and other groups. And so it it's a real mess, and so the people are so damn scared to do anything. That's what I'm talking about fear. Mm. They can't even they can't even speak, and so that uh, they're going. The, the federal government is doing some real nasty things to me right now because they've they've uh, they've heard me talk about these things before. So they they're really trying their darnest to to put the screws to me. So I can imagine these other people. They don't, they don't want to go that route. <laughs> so, <clears throat> Clifford, give us um. Give us some more insight into the solutions or the answers or the perspective that should keep us empowered as we're going through all of this from the perspective of the the Zuni prophecies and and teachings. Well, I think, again, going back to my, my statement earlier about education, uh, education uh, has gone to hell in this country, and, the, and when when the primary education system put forth by the by the federal government, especially through the Bureau of Indian Affairs and the states and so on, we've lost that we've lost that connection because now we have to really uh, figure out a way to get together. In the old days, the 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 orders would get together without asking permission from anybody, and they would do their rituals for the balance of the world and, and so on. But uh, right now, they, it, it's, quite, it's quite hard to really pinpoint or at least um, make any order of how to go because we don't have that uh, capability anymore, or, or uh, the, what do you call it, the, the fortitude 
to go over there and stand up for our rights. Even though we said that we have religious rights and freedom of this and that, we can't do that anymore because we've been spied upon. We Everybody everybody listens to us on what we're doing, and, and that's another reluctance that the Indian tribes have, that they don't even perform their rituals like they did a long time ago for the balance of the earth. And if you look at the weather right now, what's happening with tornadoes, earthquakes, uh, eruptions, and so on, tsunamis, and so on. In the old days, that they, the Indians could actually speak with uh, the, the powers that be in the universe and at least have some type of ritual that would prevent those things. We can't do that anymore because we don't have that the the paraphernalia and the and the meeting places that we have at certain sacred sites. We cannot go there anymore because it's locked up. It's it's uh, it's taken away from us. When you talk about vortices and stargates and all that, those places were already locked down way back about a hundred, two hundred years ago. So. At least there was that connection. It sounds like it sounds like a science fiction type thing, but it it took me a long time to realize that this is what they were actually doing. And again, um, there were some of our so-called leaders were bought out too, and uh, so it's very difficult to even know who who's in whose camp right now. Yeah, that's for sure. Can, can you talk to us a little bit about um, the Kachinas and what the Blue Kachina is and how this relates to prophecies? Well, you know, the Blue Kachina is a Hopi, is a Hopi um, prophecy. Uh, the, there's so many books written about it. Uh, I'm not versed in that. All I know is that in the end, that the, the Blue, uh, I think it coincides with the Blue Star. They call it the Blue Star Kachina. And uh, the Blue Star Kachina is, uh, well, it, it, it's going to, what I understand from many different sources is that, you know, there's that uh, the planet that comes every so, I think it's somewhere 56,000 years or something like that, which we call it the Nibiru or Planet X or whatever they call it nowadays. But the, the prophecy is that when that, when that, uh, that, the blue star Kachina dances in the plaza. I think he takes off his mask or something like that in the plaza at Hopi, and that they know that this is the end of the, the period. I, I think it falls in the same category as the Mayan calendar type thing, but I'm not versed in it. There's, uh, again, there's the too many writers distorted it, make right. the muddy water so muddy that you don't even know you go to any bookstore, especially around Sedona and places like that, there are so many books written about it. And uh, the Sedona Bunch has really muddied the water on that right. that whole thing, which, uh, again, the hardest one is interpretation. Now, it, it takes a lot of effort for a, uh, in my case, in Zuni, I interpret a lot of things, uh, especially in my background in in linguistics and, and uh, theories and so on. Even then, it's very hard. But can you imagine somebody coming out, walking off the street that walks in the Hopi and spends a weekend over there and say, that, well, I know all about the Hopi prophecy. So that 
that becomes a very distorted, uh, and it and it really hurts the the uh, whole history and the prophecies of the Hopi people. Mm, right. The Hopi people are in two camps. First of all, that the the government that was set up by the Bureau of Indian Affairs and and the and the churches and the there's one group which are the rulers, and then the other group is the traditionalists, which are the spiritual leaders. So, so there's no common ground on that. So there's mm-hmm. always a war going on over there. And then the other groups, like the the, uh, the retired hippie community of Sedona, has written so many books that doesn't really interpret what the Indian Indians have been saying or what their history is about. Primarily for the just to just to say that well I'm I'm an expert on Hopi or if I sell so many books I'm gonna make a lot of money. So it becomes a real, real screwed up race when it comes down to that. So mm. the best way it would be to actually go and and uh, probably sit down with some of the younger generation at Hopi because the old guard is gone. The old guard is gone, I think uh, and a lot of those were bought out by, by retired hippies of Sedona. So I have had many encounters with them. If I did not, if I had not gone through that experience, I wouldn't be talking the way I am. Mm, right. So, but there are some very good writers. Uh, they're excellent writers. I've talked with them personally. I've reviewed their books. I've, I've even sat down with them. And it's very well thought out, and they, they did a lot of good research on that, but those are far and few in between. And the rest of them is just uh, to make a quick buck and to say that I'm an expert Hopi. There's so many people that have, have uh, uh, through many meetings and many conferences, I've met so many Bahanas, the white brother. One of them was even a white woman that says that he was a Pahana, and they kept telling her, well, but the Pahana is supposed to be a male. They said, well, but I am. And, you know, when you <laughs> come to that type of a thing, you know, it just really messes up the whole history, the whole prophecy system, and it, it's being disrespectful is what it amounts to. Mm, right. Clifford, uh, share with yeah. us, if you will, um, from of course, from the Zuni perspective, um, about things that that we're all kind of uh, getting more information on, like orbs and and some different things like that. Kind of bring us into the to the the Zuni perspective on on these phenomena. Well, the this um, the natural scientific phenomena has been around for ages. I mean, the orbs, uh, the orbs are come in different sizes. Uh, even, even also, it falls in almost in the same category as, as, a, as the bigger ones being the UFOs. And uh, there's been so many of them throughout the history of the Zuni nation. The orbs are, uh, there's even a Kachina that is uh, named after, I mean, a Kachina dancer that is like a uh, uh, like a like an orb or equivalent to an orb that comes with a mixed dance. I haven't there they haven't danced that dancer in I'd say about oh maybe about seventy years. So there there has been so many things that have been out there for centuries 
which was a very common knowledge, and uh, and it also falls in the same category as the spirit beings or what the Zuni call them raw people, R-A-W, uh, uncooked people or yeah. uncooked beings. They're not people, but they're beings. But they're also the transition of what used to be here in, in this dimension and gone on to the next plane. So it depends on on what it is or or the activity related to it. There's a lot of parallels and there's a lot of interpretations. Some of them are, most of them are good and some of them are bad. Uh, if you say like you, there's other times that you see an orb that will come through there and even start a fire and that means that something bad is going on that in your family. Uh, now, they call these superstitions, omens, uh, but, uh, you know, those are for real. Now, they sometimes they blow it out of proportion, depending on who's got the experience. Now, I've gone through a lot of those. I see orbs uh, with cameras. They take pictures of orbs all the time, and they come in different shapes and sizes, and uh, they're so... There's so many of them. The reason that we didn't we couldn't see them with a the naked eye was because we didn't have the technology at that time. It's sort of analogous to a telescope. Before before the telescope was invented, they couldn't see some of the star systems, that, but now they got the technology now that the orbs are everywhere. Now I had uh, I recorded some orbs that was right in my my bedroom. I didn't even think about it when I took picture and then my friend looked at it and said he, he, she spotted them right away that they were orbs right there in my own bedroom. Oh, wow. So so they're all over the place and, and sometimes you just go out there and you take shots in all directions and you'll, you'll find them. There's some faces in a lot of those orbs or something that looks like uh, maybe a being but uh, you have to have high part and multiple pixel, maybe, I don't know what pixel you require to get the real detail on those, but they're out there. And there also has been references to orbs that are, are bigger, which are about the size of spaceships that have been recorded throughout history. Of course, it's all oral history. So there, there, it's really nothing new, um, but again, because... Zuni people are very superstitious, and uh, so they, when they see something like that, they take it personally, saying that, well, maybe it's going to bring me bad luck. So people don't talk about those things. Right. The same way, same way with UFOs. And the other thing too is that we're in a close, uh, close system. We're a close society, close system. If you went out there and talked about UFOs openly like I do, you'd be ostracized. Mm. That's what has happened to me. But uh, now there's there's so much activity going on that it's a common occurrence now. And so now it's not as bad as it used to be because people see that. Now with the technology that they have today with... Uh, with our cameras on their telephones. I mean, they can go there and they take pictures all the time about different types of UFOs, different types of uh, maybe Bigfoot, uh, different types of animals that uh, are not 
normal. Mm-hmm. And and also what we call uh, what the Navajos call skinwalkers, uh, the ones that morph into different animals like a coyote or an owl and that type of thing. So now it's everywhere, but this was also prophesized that the, the world will become like that as we get closer to a the uh, time when uh, the, I guess the time will come when all these bad forces will take over the world, and that's where we're at right now. So that, so there's a lot of things that are happening. UFOs were the first ones uh, uh, way back in the 40s. And uh, right now the activity on the Zuni Reservation where I live is that there's a lot of black helicopters, unmarked black helicopters. And they, uh, there's, a, uh, there's an airstrip there that uh, used for medical uh, evacuation, but uh, for the hospital there. But there's many times that there'll be uh, black helicopters that be flying out there in the middle of the night. So they're looking at something, and uh, I think that I think a lot of the stuff that uh, is happening is that they're just honing in on a lot of uh, systems out there. To, to see what who's talking to what, and until recent times about what this, the government is doing, I said I, I'm a firm believer of those uh, eavesdropping and spying on those, and uh, so that that's another thing too that not only does it mess up the whole system over there, but it's a reality. So, so Clifford, um, I, I, just a minute or so ago, you you said something tying in the um, the Zuni prophecies or the different prophecies to uh, bad forces taking over the world. What's on the other side of that prophecy? If that's where we are now, and certainly it's not a stretch to look around and and think that bad forces are are at work here with Monsanto and and the shadow government and everything else, but what's on the other side of the prophecy? Well, see, that uh, one of the things that they, they, my grandfathers talked about was that there was nothing beyond what we're going through right now. There was no, like, what well, is going to get better or it's going to get worse. There, is no, there was nothing that I could find in any... Uh, interpretation in any prophecies of what will be on the other side when all these things go into a collapse. They didn't say that, well, we're going to go to uh, to a different world, or they didn't say that, well, we're going to all die. They just say, well, this is this is where we're headed. And uh, so it's it's really a, un, until they had, unless they had that information which was never passed on, maybe about a hundred years ago. But most of the most of the uh, uh, sacred uh, information keepers had no had no interpretation of what was going to happen after this uh, another uh, disaster that the Earth will go through. They just know that there's going to be overpopulation. They talk about overpopulation. They talked about um, about famine. They talk about uh, natural disasters, earthquakes, uh, and the biggest one that has always been um, talked about is that this world, the whole globe, the whole world will be enveloped by a noxious fumes. I think that will probably come from either a man-made chemical 
or the only thing that I can think of is maybe on a volcanic activity, which uh, will consist of a lot of hydrogen sulfide, which is a very uh, H2S, which is a uh, deadly killer. And this, they say it's going to be a noxious older odor that will envelop the Earth. And so we don't know. There's no one, no one interpreted whether it's going to be man-made or natural disaster. They just know that. And the, and the other one that comes with that is the is say half the planet will be in light and half the planet will be in darkness. And then uh, a lot of Indian tribes, including the Zuni, has already have already uh, stated in many prophecies that the, the Earth will also revert to reverse its axis, which has happened in the past. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of reasons for that because of mankind not getting along, uh, uh, violation of moral systems. Uh, look what we're going through right now. Right. Uh, this hate, the hatred, this uh, gay marriage, uh, you know, that was uncalled for in the old days, and they know about these things. I mean, in, in the civilization like Zuni did not believe in that. And uh, so... So a lot of these are, are man-made. A lot of these um, are is done by somebody, but I believe that I mean the, the Zuni Indians and other Indian tribe says that they cannot go on forever like this because there's going to be interference by the by the gods. Yeah, That's all they say. Mm-hmm. And, and you're asking this because they're and if you if you want to really um, make it in simple terms, the gods are pissed off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the, the reason is that they did not follow what was given to them from the beginning of all the people. They were given, whether it was the Zuni people or Moses, they did not follow what was given them to follow in order to balance not only mankind but the planet itself. And the other thing, too, is that it went out of hand and, and it was done by the dark forces, too. There's dark forces in every in the whole universe, and in the simple term that they use in Zuni is called witchcraft. And I think that uh, if you look at what's happening in in the political world today, especially Congress, you know they're following the same practices of what the what the old timers and the grandfathers predicted how they're going to act, and that's what they're doing. There's no truth. They're they're lying. They're stealing. And they're not—they're not helping anybody except themselves. So these are the ones that were prophesized not only a hundred years ago; they were prophesized centuries ago. The other, the other example that I use on my my talks is that the furniture, our furniture, will eat us alive. This was way before um, laser technology. This was way before microwave technology. And we used to kid about that. They say, "Well, you know, tomorrow morning my sock drawer will eat me alive." Mm-hmm. But I think what they were referring to was the, the the scientific portion of it that will eat your brains out and eat your heart out and and mess up your whole body system. So if you look at it and try not to make anything complicated, if you look at it that it's part value and the interpretation, I mean, you can directly associate with some of the things that are happening to this day. Now, these predictions were made thousands and thousands of years ago. And how did they know that? 
Well, because that somebody told them. And who were those somebody? They said, well, the guys that created the protocols. They told us, you cannot do these things. If you do that, you're going to get hurt, and you're going to destroy each other, and you're going to destroy this planet. And we're, look where we're at today. Right. So you, you have some amazing stories. I, I, I got to hear a few of them about the contact experiences that you've had. Can you tell us a little bit about some of your own um, kind of out there UFO, uh, ET, star being related experiences? Mm, I think that uh, I'm going to save that to the Star Knowledge Conference because uh, we're still doing a lot of research on that. Mm-hmm. That way it be elaborate. But I did have some some uh, encounters uh, way back uh, one month after the Travis Walton case over in Snowflake, Arizona. And I did actually see some vehicles that they were operating. I actually saw UFOs. I actually saw beams in, a, in what uh, would normally call a flying saucer type craft. And uh, so, uh, but that's that's basically what it is. And uh, I've seen them come through mountains. I've seen them uh, as late as last summer. I've seen them come through uh, a national forest, which I go to when I go to Albuquerque from Zuni. And uh, I encounter those things, but one of the things that I don't do is that I don't take pictures of those things. Mm-hmm. Because I'm of the opinion that if I take pictures, they're not going to come out. I mean, you know, I want to maintain that contact because right. they know exactly what we're doing. And once I do that, they'll probably cut me off. Maybe, I'm, maybe that's ancient thinking, but that's another reason I don't think. Uh, and even if I tried, I tried that one time with a camera and it didn't work. Uh, it was a highly sophisticated client camera and, it, and they got their own system of, of not wanting to be interfered with. So that's, uh, I see a lot of them all the time. Mm-hmm. But I've never really had, maybe, I mean, not consciously speaking, I don't think that I've ever had any encounter with a with an ET, uh, you know, like on a one-on-one basis. I may have because I have some feelings about it, but I, I can't really prove it because right. they have a real sophisticated system. But right. then again, it falls in the same, uh, you know, it falls in the same um, uh, system of sacred knowledge and our keepers of what our systems are all about. So we don't interfere with them because we are we are supposed to be humble. We are we we are servants to those people, and so we don't we don't go beyond that. It's just like sort of like being a a uh, enlisted man talking to a five-star general, you don't you don't mess with them. Right. So, so, so that because again, we have been taught the secret knowledge that I have that we don't we're taught not to interfere or try to make anything of it. So that's what I have to maintain that respect and that uh, and that status. Right. I totally understand. So, so, so Clifford. So I don't go beyond. Yeah. Here, here we are. It's it's past the middle of 2013. Um, you know, certainly we've gone through a fair amount of the stuff hitting the etheric fan already. 
um, more chaos and and stuff to continue to unfold. Give us give us your take and and what does it take to stay in the flow and not be knocked um, you know out of our center with all these changes going on. Well, I, I don't think that uh, because we have been this, uh, the world has been conditioned for so long about uh, a whole bunch of lies, and uh, I think uh, Adolf Hitler did a good job, and so they're they're doing the same approach to this what we're doing in this country, and uh, so I will not I will not believe anything what the media puts out. I will not believe anything what the so-called uh, Congress and the, uh, our uh, politicians put out. I would not even believe any of that stuff because it's not true. And so what you have to prepare yourself is to, to look for a better day, especially when it gets back down to the, to the survival method because we're overpopulated. We're overpopulated, so you have to stay on your own ground and to learn as much as you can. I mean, it sounds very simple. Uh, what happens when they close down Walmart? What happens when they you don't have a food stamp card anymore, uh, EBT card? What happens then? So you have to look at other ways of setting up your system and not believe everything that the the government is doing. And the the best the best thing to do is to I mean it's very hard to to convince people is not to accept anything that the government has given you. Look what they did to the Indians. And this, uh, we have a yeah, we have a good history of what they did to this country. They're still they're still using the same methods with a different technology, and we're and everybody is falling into the same trap. So I don't believe in what they talk. I don't believe in what they say, because there's nothing truthful that's going on. So what you have to do as an individual is to seek your own truth, as I said a while ago. You have to seek your own truth and be truthful and stand your ground. Because we're, there's nobody going to help us. There's nobody going to come and help you or anybody else because they're only in it for themselves. However, I'm a firm believer in that interference will happen. And I think that we're going, I think we're past that stage right now. I, I was hoping that it would happen by June, but again, that they've, the, when when they have set up so many a network of lies and untruths, that, that's why they're still maintaining that that whole lie that's going on right now. So I don't I don't see any any other way except just to for the people to wake up and say I'm not going to believe this stuff anymore. What they're doing. How in the heck are you going to do that when you're so dependent upon everything and they force you every day to, with everything that they can think of? I don't care whether you go to an airport, you go to a local shopping center, look what everybody's there. There's security everywhere, and you don't know who it is. I can't even go to my post office without having to strip down to get my mail. So, so it, it's really a sad state of affairs, but I think that it's going to uh, it's going to turn around, and but the people have been conditioned for so long; they're asleep. They're asleep. They have to wake up. Yep. Now, Clifford, you've been you've been doing this for a long time. You've been doing this 
and and researching and sharing information since before you were considered an elder, but now you are considered a Zuni elder. What what is your role and what are your gifts to share with us? Well, I was hoping and the reason that I retired to go back home was that I had a I had a very sound education. I mean, engineering is not a fly by night curriculum. And the other thing too is that I I was quite involved with the the Johnson years under the Great Society when we were putting up a lot of these programs, especially in education, economic development, uh, uh, all these different housing programs and so on. I was hoping that when I got retired that I would have this knowledge and background and the experience to help the people not only in, in, in the white man's side of it, but also on the, the Indian side of it because I have been pretty well, I'm pretty well versed in the in the different orders in Zuni, not that I'm high up, but I'm, when you're curious and you want to learn something, you can learn. So uh, my my attitude or my um, uh, my program right now is to just try to get educated as many people as I can to get some critical mass to start interacting with other groups within the tribes and also on an either tribal, national and international level. Now I work with the I work with the Canadian chiefs up there and they have the same problems about their about their government and their and their and their people. So it's it's a massive approach to it and so the more I go out there and convey these messages and it has it's coming from the heart. I I try not to make anything hard. It's just uh, to wake people up and say, "Hey, you got to look at yourself. Mm. You got to find out, find out where where is it that you want to go from here? Because nobody's going to help you. And yep. there's some people out there that you have to you get together with, and with the like uh, the like uh, resources and the like thinking, and you have to preserve what is is the remnants of what is left over. And the other thing, too, is that don't believe of these other people that are writing about, we're going to save the Indians, we're going to save the, save the Zuni, we're going to save the Hopi, because they're not there to save anybody. So, so you have to, they have to go back within themselves and talk to each other and to make some type of effort to at least communicate go back into the communalistic uh, society systems that we had in in terms of survival, whether it be food sources, religion, or, or, or habitats, and so on. So we have to look at it from that standpoint, and there's a lot of resources that you can look for, but you have to go back to basics again, because that's where we're going to end up. We have to go back to basics. Mm-hmm. But right now, the world is so polluted. There is so much toxic substances, not only in the water, in the, the land, in the air. So you have to look at ways in how to do, survive as a, as a group. And, uh, oh. so that- wow, absolutely. I, I've just so enjoyed you being on our show, and it's just incredible to think that we're going to be with you at the Star Knowledge Conference on 11-11. 
um, in yeah. Palm Springs. And right. um, I just, I resonated so much with all your answers and, and just want you to uh, let our audience know where they can find more out about you and what events you have coming up. And if you could maybe just tell us a little bit about what you have coming up. Well, uh, the, the immediate thing that I'm working on right now is on the uh, Columbus Day weekend. We're having the, it's an offshoot of the Star Knowledge Conference. So we're going to do the environmental uh, portion of it in Pennsylvania. I'm not exactly sure, but it's on the uh, StarKnowledge.com network. We've also uh, we're also going to film some more uh, Saturday and Sunday with uh, Alan Blackburn and uh, Chief um, Golden Light Eagle has come to the Zuni Reservation. So we're going to film a lot more of the information system that we'll be putting on the on the uh, website. And uh, the other thing that uh, I'm looking forward to is uh, other meetings that I'm going to have. And I think uh, once I get uh, myself established through, uh, on the Internet site, I'm going to start putting up a... Um, a, a site where you can come and listen to me on, on some of my talks. I work with a lot of uh, different groups uh, like MUFON, uh, other other groups throughout the nation. I believe that we're going to be in um, Colorado in August at the, the Sand Dunes. I'm not sure exactly what dates, but I don't I don't really have a schedule. I I just sort of uh, wait for them to call me, and then. <laughs> uh, but uh, if you really need to get a hold of me, there's a lot of uh, uh, lectures that I did on the Star Knowledge Conference last year at Carefree. That's on there, and uh, I think my email address is on there. But my email address is c m h o o t y at uh, yahoo.com. Oh, well, thank you. Well, I have to say, Clifford, it is it has been a, a real honor for me to have so much contact with you in the last year or so, um, and uh, not just to have the opportunity to, to see you present, but to, um, specifically in Iowa, to, to just hang out with you a little bit and, and get to know you, and um, you've enriched my life, and... Um, it's 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 been a real treat and so thank you so much for being here tonight on awaken the dream radio and um we will look forward to uh november in palm springs but who knows maybe we'll we'll be lucky and we'll see you before then okay well thanks a lot for letting me say my piece oh it's been wonderful having you thank you so much thank you clifford take care yeah bye bye you know i I just I I really can't say enough good about Clifford Mahuti. I just love his energy. This was a great conversation. Um it was one of those conversations where I felt like we just could have gone on and on with him. Definitely, definitely. I mean, I I thought it was awesome and I just loved all his answers and he's just so genuine and just really just cuts to the truth of you know, who he is and how he feels. And, and I just, I love that. And it, it was so great to get to know him. And yeah, I really enjoyed that. You know, and as, as a Zuni elder, he really carries a very balanced energy. I guess there's just something about becoming an elder 
um, that when you embrace it, part of it is that you're, you're just balanced in your perspective and everything. I mean, uh, it's been one of the treats of spending so much time um, with the Star Knowledge family is getting to know the grandmothers and the other elders. And, and um, what a wonderful energy it is, is as we honor those that, that have so much knowledge and information. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's just been such an enriching, you know, year to just uh, being involved with the Star Knowledge conferences and and yeah, we've we've gained so much and yeah, I love how balanced he is and and um, you know, it's really interesting to see just you know what he had to break away from and how ostracized he was, you know, pretty much within his own community. So, you know, just so many brave souls are just doing what they feel is right, which is the best thing we can do. And then he still really just holds that deep, deep reverence and respect. And, um, and I find that with, uh, you know, just, just uh, the, the elders, you know, carry that and the grandmothers. And so it's really beautiful. Well, we're honored to, to be able to have contact with such amazing people. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what we've got uh, coming up. I mean, it's just like, what, like a week and a half or something, and we'll be at Joshua Tree for Contact in the Desert. Wow, is it that soon? Yep, August 9th to 11th. I mean, it's just happening so quickly. George Norrie, Stephen Greer, David Wilcock, Jim Mars, Michael Tellinger, William Henry, Michael Sala, Jason Martell, David Sarita, Richard Dolan, the list goes on and on. Laura Eisenhower, Dr. Dream, James Gilliland, um, Alfred Weber, Travis Walton, uh, Celeste Yarnell, Douglas Taylor, Suzanne Taylor, Yvonne Smith, Barbara Harris. I mean, wow, <laughs> this is going to be fun. Yeah, it is going to be fun. I'm really excited and just to be in that part of the country, too. Really going to be cool. Yeah. So What else we- do we got? got that and then um we've got some other things going on we're just not ready to um announce them yet but um october 4th through 6th in sarasota florida we will be at the first annual return to atlantis conference and um lisa renee tom lesher andrew bardis teal scott and the two of us um New Moon Beach Galactivation. We're on a beach that's 99% quartz crystal sand. That's going to be wild. I mean, whew, vibe up, right? Yeah. And then uh, Detroit, Michigan. Watch out. Here we come. October 11, 12, and 13. Um, and we'll be with Ethan Fox and Kerry Cassidy, Mark Romero, Michael Tellinger, Meredith Smith, Fully Raw, Christina, and many other people. This is the Awake and Empowered Expo. Um, we'll be popping a video out on that shortly. And then uh, we'll be with Clifford and so many other amazing speakers November 8th, 9th, 10th, and 11th in Palm Springs, California for the Star Knowledge Conference 11-11 event of the year. Um, this is really going to be something, and the level of information that, that is brought together and presented at these conferences is over the top. So. We're excited about that. Yep, definitely, definitely. And then next week um, we have Pam Grout is our uh, is our guest next week on the show, and the week after Ethan Fox is our guest, and uh, we just got a lot of good things going on. Yeah, we definitely do. Really looking forward to all that. 
Well, we sure appreciate our listeners for showing up um, live or later on for the broadcast. Please take the opportunity to share these. We have, uh, after tonight, 186 free broadcasts online. You can reach them through um, typing in Laura Eisenhower or Dr. Dream into iTunes or going to... um, drdream.com and uh, checking out the archive. So thank you all very much and have a wonderful week and we'll, we'll meet you back here next week. Good night, everybody. Bye-bye. Good night. Awake in the Dream Radio with Laura Eisenhower and Dr. Dream. Raising your frequency and expanding your consciousness, one guest at a time.